Thank you for listening to this message from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. It's such an honor to be with you guys. And as Pastor uh, Josh talked about, uh, I used to serve with Lee Cummings in Kalamazoo. I was a youth pastor there. And, uh, but I've been home now. I grew up in Kansas City. And uh, Olathe is a suburb of Kansas City, if you didn't know that. And um, been home for, we're in our 13th year as a church. And I just want to, just right out of the gate, tell you how incredibly grateful I am for this church. Aren't you grateful for this church? And um, Pastor Bernie, I was talking to him as we walked in. This building, this room, has so many memories for me. Because when I first came into the Res Life family, it was in the late 90s. And uh, man, we had some great services in here. The first time I ever heard Pastor Dwayne, he was preaching on this stage. First time I ever heard uh, Pastor Jimmy Evans, who's one of my all-time favorites. You guys love Pastor Jimmy. Uh, was in this room. And uh, Pastor uh, Dwayne and, and, and Bernie and so many of you here at this church have made an investment in us. I was a youth pastor for 13 years. And, uh, and while I was here, I got this crazy idea to plant a church in my hometown. Same town where I played football and got kicked out of high school. And that's a true story. And... Um, and it's just been an amazing thing. And since then, we've seen our church grow. We've grown to the thousands. We've seen thousands of people come to the Lord. We've now got two campuses. We're getting ready to plant a third campus in the Kansas City area. We've also planted three churches out of our church. So you got, y'all got some great grandkids uh, down in Kansas. Hey, you know, that's what the church is about. It's about reaching people, amen? And we're seeing incredible things happen there. So everything that we do as a church is really fruit of this ministry. So I'm so grateful for that. Hey, before we get started... Uh, I want to introduce you guys to my family. I wasn't able to bring them with me, but I did bring a picture. This is called the Sprague Tribe. Do we have the picture? Look at this. How about that? And uh, this is my beautiful family. That's my beautiful bride, Mary, and all my kids. You can tell they look just like me, don't they? All of them? Yeah? Uh, I have kids from 22 down to 5. Uh, my two oldest daughters are both in ministry. One's on staff at New Life Church in Colorado Springs with Brady Boyd, and she works with the youth ministry there. My 20-year-old daughter works with our youth ministry. And, then, and this picture's about two years old. My son there that's got uh, a, a kid on his shoulders, um, that's my, he's almost 14. He's almost as tall as me now. He's grown like crazy this year. His name is Levi and then Allie. And then you see the two that look just like me, right? That's Justice and Hannah Mercy, and they are are from Ethiopia. I'm going to talk a little bit about them later, but they are six and five, and we adopted them a little over three years ago, three and a half, four years ago, something like that, and uh, it's just been an amazing rush. So I have a 22-year-old and a five-year-old. That's wild, isn't it? And my wife is a saint. Everybody say, yeah, that's right. I'll say, anyway, let's pray together, and uh, we'll jump into the Word. Father, I'm grateful today for Jesus. I'm grateful for what that name means to me and what it means to every one of us for the freedom and the hope and the power and the access that that name provides into your family. That Jesus paid the price for our redemption, for our salvation, for our forgiveness of sins. He also opened the door that we could be adopted into your family, that we could call you Abba Father, that we could know you at that level. And today we want to hear from you, Father. We want to, and we'll crawl up on the couch next to you. We want to listen to your voice. We want to, we want to uh, have your arm around us, and we want to hear from heaven today. So invite your spirit to speak to us by your spirit through your word today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. All right, well, I'm going to share a message today uh, that I'm calling Life on Mission. Everybody say Life on Mission. Uh, I actually shared this message last Sunday with our church, so it's fresh 
hot off the presses. When they sent me an email and asked me about coming and speaking, I asked the Lord, I said, what do you want me to share? And I began to pray about this and pray about that. But as soon as I started working on this message, about, about three, four weeks ago, I, I just felt really compelled. This was the message to share with you guys today. It's called Life on Mission. Everybody say Life on Mission. <clears throat> when you hear that phrase, what do you think of? When you hear the phrase, life on mission, what do you think of? Maybe you think of a missionary. Maybe you think of military. Uh, I don't know about you, but when I think about it, I think about some, somebody that's focused, maybe a group that's focused. I think about somebody that knows what they're about, that's on a mission, that has a plan. And if you're going to be on a mission, you're going to have goals. You're going to have uh, an end in mind. And so when I talk about living life on mission, really I'm talking about living for something bigger than ourselves, talking about living for something beyond ourselves, and living with a real insight and understanding that this day is not all I have, that this life that I have is not all I have, but I have a mission. Everybody say life on mission. And before we talk about what it means to live life on mission, I, I want to just look at this word mission. Uh, and, and let me ask you this, what is your life mission? Do you, do you have a life mission? What does it mean to have a life mission. We'll get back to that in a minute. You know, a lot of companies have missions. You guys ever seen mission statements that companies come out with? I, I went on a little search. I was looking at lots of different companies and their mission statements, and some of them are real broad, and some of them are real detailed, and it's really interesting. Companies come up with mission statements to remind themselves of who they are, about how they roll, so to speak, about what their goals are. And as organizations grow, it's important for everybody to be on the same page. And so mission statements really become guides to help them to get where they need to go. So I looked up some. Maybe you'll recognize some of these. The first one's Coca-Cola. I mean, Coca-Cola drinkers in the house. Anybody, you can admit your sins. The church, a good place to confess your sins. You might be healed, okay? How many you guys drink Coca-Cola? Anybody? Okay, I don't know if you know this, but Coca-Cola has a mission statement, and I found it. Matter of fact, here's their mission statement. To refresh the world. How are they doing? They doing a good job refreshing the world? But that's not where they end. Look at this. They, they have some uh, real high goals. Check this out. To inspire moments of optimism and happiness. To create value and make a difference. Did you guys know Coca-Cola was making a difference? And they were, how are they doing? Are they doing a good job with their mission? I'm with you. Okay. How about this one? Here's another one. Google. Have you guys know about Google? How many guys used Google this week? Raise your hand. Okay, more of us use Google than Coca-Cola. That's a good thing, okay? Here's the definition of Google. To organize the world's information and make it universally accessible and useful. How are they doing? I think they're doing better than Coke at fulfilling their mission. Anybody with me on that? Okay, here's another one. This is one of my favorite ones. Uh, it's Harley Davidson. Anybody like Harley? Anybody? Do I have any bikers in the house? Okay, good deal. Here's their, I love their, their mission statement. It's to fulfill dreams through the experience of motorcycling. They are, I think they're doing a great job. Matter of fact, I was on my bike last week. It was great. Okay, here's one. I don't know if y'all are familiar with this company. You probably are because you watch the news. I know you don't have it here yet, but I hear a rumor that they're coming. It's the company Chick-fil-A. My kids love Chick-fil-A, okay? As a matter of fact, on a regular basis after church, they're like, let's go to Chick-fil-A. I say, it's Sunday. We can't go to Chick-fil-A. They're not open, but they have really good food, and you guys are going to love them when they come. Lord, bring them to Michigan, right? We have a bunch of them in Kansas. It's awesome. Anyway, as a matter of fact, the owner of Chick-fil-A in my town goes to my church. <laughs> it's awesome. 
Here is their mission statement, to be America's best quick service restaurant. But that's not all, because beyond that little mission, they have a purpose statement. This is what I wanted you to hear. To glorify God, that's right, corporate America, to glorify God by being a faithful steward of all that is entrusted to us. That's awesome, isn't it? I love that. And they go on to say this. They say this, to have a positive influence on all who come in contact with Chick-fil-A. I read that and I was like, we need to change the mission statement of our church to that. (laughs) Just remove Chick-fil-A and put Life Church right there because what a powerful mission statement. One more I want to give you guys. It's the mission statement for interstate batteries. You guys ever heard of them before? Now, theirs sounds a lot like Chick-fil-A. I'm convinced their CEOs must be buddies or something because here's theirs. To glorify God and enrich lives as we deliver the most trustworthy source of power in the world. But don't you love that two companies who start out their mission statement with to glorify God? I want to ask you a question today. What's your mission statement? What does it look like? I mean, maybe you've never written one. As a matter of fact, I'd, I'd highly recommend that you consider writing. We have a mission statement for my family. I think it's important for us. As a matter of fact, a lot of people, it's become really trendy for people to be, get mission statements. As a matter of fact, a lot of leaders have mission statements. And usually when they're writing a mission statement, uh, they start out with questions like, what do you value? What do you enjoy? What are you good at? And these, listen, these are good for people that don't know Jesus. But I think if we're going to have a mission statement, have you know it needs to start with Jesus? And that's why I loved Chick-fil-A's because, I mean, here's a company, and, and, and I think many times we look at the corporate world and we think they're just about the almighty dollar. They're just about the bottom line. They're just about, um, you know, increasing their stock or whatever it is. And yet you've got these two companies who start out their mission statement saying their mission is to glorify God. And then you got other companies that don't have anything to do with God. And I think those companies are a lot like people. Some people, our mission is to glorify God and, and others aren't, right? And I, I hope that uh, in this room today, those that are hearing the, the sound of my voice, I hope that our mission statement in some ways reflects Chick-fil-A's. I hope that at some level, how many of you guys want to glorify God? You say, I've maybe never written, 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 written how you all say that down here? Uh, I hope, maybe you've never written down your, your mission statement, but hopefully if you did, it'd have something to do with glorify God. Have you guys with me on that? So that's what I want to do. You know, the truth is this. I believe if we're going to have a mission from God that we've got to really get to know him, we've got to be around him. And I think one of the things many times is we have this perspective that mission statements, that having a life mission that's for the elite. That's for the clergy. That's for the missionary. That's for the, the prophet. That's for the fivefold ministry gifts or something like that. And, and the rest of us, we're just kind of getting by. Well, I want to submit to you today that there is a God. He loves you. And listen, he has a plan for your life. And God has a mission for you. You ever thought about that? You ever thought about the fact that God has a mission for you? Not just a life mission, but a today mission and a tomorrow mission. And a next day, Mr. Like, I want you to hear a, a, a statement that Jesus made. He was actually praying for his disciples in, in, in John chapter 17. And this is toward the very end of his earthly ministry. And Jesus knew he was about to go to the cross. 
He knew that his days on earth were numbers. As a matter of fact, if you go back and read John 14, 15, and 16, you see over and over again, he's preparing his disciples for his departure. He's talking to them about when, you know, it's to your advantage that I go away because if I don't go away, I won't send a counselor, but if I go, I'll send the Holy Spirit who will remind you of all the things. Over and over again, Jesus reminds his disciples in those three chapters about the fact that he is gonna, he's gonna leave, but he's not gonna leave them alone. He's gonna send the Holy Spirit to empower them. And then we come to, Chapter 17, this is toward the very end of Jesus' earthly ministry, and he's praying to the Father for, the, for, the, for his followers. And here's what he says in John 17, 18. It says, in the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, I give them a mission in the world. My, my New King James Bible, the one I typically study in, it says, as you sent me, so I send them. You know, God has a mission for every one of us. Everybody say, I have a mission Try it again. Say, I have a mission. Oh, you guys are all right. You're pretty good. I got life church trained, man. I'll tell you what I tell them. Church is not a spectator sport. I need participation, okay? That's how you say it here, right? Precipitation. No, that's not it. Everybody say, I have a mission. Try it again. Try it on, try it on real good. Say, I have a mission. How's that feel? Is it true? Do, do we live like it? See, we live in a generation that's all about me. We live in a generation that's all about what's in it for me. We live in a generation that's all about, hey, let's get through that drive through as fast as we possibly can. I expect service and I expect it now. We live in a consumer-oriented culture. We live in a generation that's so much about appealing to our selfish desires that the idea of having a mission, although we agree as believers intellectually that it's true, I think many of us experientially aren't living there. And if we are, our mission's nothing like the one that God has for us. Jesus said, as you sent me, so I send them. As you gave me a mission in the world, so I give them a mission. This verse is for all of us. Say, this is for me. I got three points today. I want to give you the first one. The first one's real simple. We all have a mission. We all have a mission. Matter of fact, I looked up the word mission in Webster's Dictionary, and uh, I love this. It says, first definition is a special task given to a person or a group to carry out. A second one is an objective that somebody believes is his or her calling. And the third one, I think we all get this. I know you guys do because you do mission trips just like we do. Uh, A group of people sent by a church to a foreign country to spread their faith, to do medical or social work. So this is the way mission is defined in Webster's Dictionary. I love the first one. It says, a special task given to a person to carry out. Let me ask you today, do you believe God has special tasks for you to carry out? Do you live life on mission? It says an objective that someone believes is his or her calling. Do you believe that you have a calling? Do you believe that you have a mission? Say, I have a mission. You know, our, our, um, our life mission, every one of us does have a mission. And our life mission is going to be unique to each one of us, just like our fingerprints. In fact, I love this verse in Ephesians 2.10. It says this, it says, we are God's 
masterpiece. My new King James says workmanship. But I like this masterpiece. It says we are God's masterpiece. This word masterpiece or workmanship in the Greek, it's an interesting word because the implication here is one of a kind. It's something that's designed by a designer or really a better picture is um, created by a creator, uh, developed by a master craftsman. And there's only one. And, And it's unique and it's special and there's none like it. And so you got, we are God's workmanship. I think of any of us in this room, we think about that. Maybe we think about a carpenter in a workshop or we think about when it says masterpiece, think about an artist who creates a work of art. And I you know you can have lots of work of art that look the same, but only one of them can be the original, right? And really what the scripture says is we are all originals. Everybody say, I'm a masterpiece. Say it again, I'm a masterpiece. How's that feel? Does that feel pretty good? Okay, and then how about workmanship? Turn to your neighbor and tell them, tell them you know what? You're a piece of work. <laughs> the, tr- the truth is we are a masterpiece. And God, have you guys are glad he's not done with us yet, right? It goes on to say this. It says we're his masterpiece. And it says he has created us anew in Christ. So, everybody say so. So that we can do good things he planned for us long ago. Let me tell you something, that so is a big word. It's a two-letter word in the midst of a verse, but I'm gonna tell you it has incredible ramifications. A better translation of it is because. Let me tell you something, that we were created anew in Christ, not just so we could spend eternity in heaven. If, if the day we got saved, God's only plan for us was for us to go to heaven, he could have just left us, dunked us in the baptism tank and held us down, right? He could have just taken us right then. But he didn't. He left us here. Why? Because we have a mission. Everybody say, I have a mission. And it's true. And look, it says, he says he has good things he planned for us long ago. Let me tell you something. God's been thinking about you. You ever thought about that? God has been thinking about you. We all know Jeremiah 29, 11. I didn't put it in my notes, but you know it. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. You know, God's been making plans for each one of us, and he has a mission for us. And the question is, do we live like it? Do we embrace it? Do we receive it? Do we believe it? And listen, while our mission will be unique to us, because we're all originals, and we're all individual, we all have different gifts and talents and skill sets, and some of them look the same, but all of us are unique. We were all created and designed by a creator. And so we need to not waste our time trying to be anybody else. We need to let God be God in our lives and embrace the reality. I'm one of a kind. Everybody say, I'm one of a kind. And I got to call God on my life. I think we ought to wake up in the morning, look in the mirror, remind ourselves sometimes. I'm on a mission from God. Anybody on a mission from God? He said this. He says that he has things he planned for us long ago. God's got plans for us. He's got a purpose for our lives. And while uh, many of those things are unique to us, there are some similarities. As a matter of fact, aspects of our mission that we all share, number one, is salvation, that we know God, that we're called to have a living, thriving relationship with God. And out of that relation, we begin to walk in freedom. The Bible says you'll know the truth, and truth will set you free. We begin to walk in freedom from the past, freedom from the bondages of sin. I used to do drugs and run around as a kid. I did all kinds of crazy things I'm not proud of. I'm so grateful today set me free. Amen? So we're free from those things. I'm also free to be the man that he called me to be. And we get brought into his family. And so we, part of our calling is being together. That's why I'm so grateful you all are here today because being together is such an important part of being a part of the mission that God has for us. We begin to grow in our faith and we begin to live out our mission on the planet. But too many believers, listen, they miss out on the adventure of following Jesus 
because they fail to embrace the reality that there's a call of God on their life. Fail to embrace the reality that God has a mission for us. Today, I, I, my son, my son that's about to turn 14, he was born in Michigan. And uh, we've been living in Kansas almost his whole life. He was one when we moved home. But he is just, he, I don't know what happened, man. It was in the water or what. He is a diehard Spartans fan. Okay, and so he lives in Jayhawk land, but he's always wearing Spartan stuff. So today I had to go, went over to this little rally place. Have you seen this new little shop over here? And I walked in there and it was like Spartan land. And then I saw Wolverine land and another the two shall meet, right? And, um, and I was like, his birthday's coming up. I'm going to get him something from there. And uh, so I was, you know, shopping for the Spartan, you know, hoodie and that type of thing. He can wear it to school next year and all that kind of thing. And I was there. And the lady that was helping me, I was telling her this story, you know. And, 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 and I told her, you know, I got to get my son a, a thing. And, and, and so she's helping me look for that. And, then, and I said, he was born in, in, here in Michigan. She said, oh, where was he born? I said, he was born in Kalamazoo. And she goes, no way. I grew up in Kalamazoo. And, and then uh, I said, really? Well, we used to, I worked in Richland. She said, no way. I went to Gold. Lake High School, and and uh, and so all of a sudden we were like family, you know what I mean? And and uh, and so in the midst of that, guess what I did? I, she said, "Well, what are you doing here?" And I said, "Well, I'm preaching right up the street." And she goes, "Where?" I said, "Resurrection Life Church." Have you ever been there? She said, "No." I said, "You need to come." I said, "It's incredible." I said, "They got the best Bible teacher, best worship. It's incredible. You got to come check it out. It's right up the street." I invited her to come. Is she here? I'm looking for you. I told you to come. I'd give you a prize. She didn't come. I, I, want to, I want to send you all on a mission. Everybody say, I have a mission. I want you to go to Rally House, all of you, together. <laughs> no, here's the reality. Is I, don't know, I don't know what she's doing. I don't know where her life's at. She didn't say, oh, yeah, I am so there. Praise the Lord. She didn't do that. So I'm assuming she doesn't know Jesus the way you do. But you know, we have a mission to share with her. Amen. And I didn't close the sale there, but how do you know I plan to see and we all have opportunities to plant seeds. But we got to embrace the reality that we have a mission. Listen, I believe that our mission is not just, mission is not just for missionaries. It's for every follower of Jesus. Amen? And I think that's maybe where we got off. Because we began to call people missionaries. We thought it was for the elite. We thought it was for the, for the, 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 the few, uh, the proud, I mean the humble, the, mari- the, the missionaries, right? That's what we thought. And yet the truth is our mission is for all of us. Our church together right now, we're reading a book uh, called Life on Mission. It's gonna be our summer study. We just started it. It's a great book. And in that book, uh, one of the pastors said this. He says, everyday missionaries. I love that phrase, everyday missionaries. Have you, no mission? you don't just go on a mission trip. We live as everyday missionaries. He said, everyday missionaries are those who practice life on mission where God has planted them. Have you know you can be a missionary and you don't have to cross the sea. You just have to see the cross. And you have to make it the central part of your life. You don't have to have a passport to be a missionary, but you do have to pass from death to life and you have to begin to understand that God has a passion for the lost, amen? So we gotta begin to see that way. And life on mission doesn't require a change of location, but it does require a change of motivation. Everybody say, I have a mission. Second thing I want you to hear about our mission is our mission is to reveal God's love, that's it. Our mission isn't to get people saved. Our mission isn't to change the world. Our mission is to be revealers of the love that we've already received. Jesus said that. He said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And what? You'll be witnesses to me. Amen? What does the witness do? They declare what they've seen and what they know to be true. 
Several years ago, I was on my way back from a conference. I had a couple of pastors with me, and I was exhausted. They had worked me like a dog, and I got home, and I was the one driving. So I dropped the other two guys off, and then I was on my way home, and it was like really late at night, and I'm sitting in my car, and I'm thinking about my beautiful bride I haven't seen in days, and I'm on my way home, and right in front of me, two cars collide. Right in front of me. Boom! And as soon as it happened, I thought to myself, what just happened? And I jumped out, and I tried to help them, and I was awake now. I was half asleep before, now I'm awake. I'm checking them all out. Everybody okay? Everybody's okay? Police show up. And what do they do? They begin to ask me, what happened? I said, well, that car ran into that car. <laughs> yeah, well, who entered the intersection first? I was like, I have no idea. <laughs> and then they said, whose light was green? Whose light was I said, all I know is my light was red. I have no idea what else happened. I was a terrible witness. And I told the policeman, I said, I, all I know is they ran into each other. You guys got to figure out the rest. Fortunately, other people seemed to have more authority that saw it. They thought they saw something. I was just thinking about my beautiful bride. You know what I'm talking about? I had to go to court. I testified the same thing. I said, why'd you bring me to court? I already told you. This is what I saw. Two cars collided. That's all I know. I think it's said some of us, you know what, our testimony is like that. We, we really aren't ready to give an account for the hope that we have. We aren't paying attention. We aren't living on mission. Now listen, if I had known there was gonna be an accident there, if I had been thinking about that, if I had been living life on mission, if I had been focused and said, I'm about to witness a collision, I'm gonna focus on this because I'm gonna have to give an account for what I've seen. How do you know I would have had a lot more details? Well, I believe that's kind of what it's like living on life on mission. Is if we're gonna live on life on mission, we're gonna be alert. We're gonna be focused. We're gonna be saying, God, what are you doing here? Listen, and how can I be a part? See, living life on mission doesn't mean we have to do it all. It just means we want to do all that he has for us. That means I want to be on assignment. I want to do what God's called me to do. I grew up playing sports year-round, and I had coaches. I played every sport I could find and all that type of thing. There's lots of stories I can't tell today about that. But one of the things that I was known for with my coaches is that I was a utility player. I could do just about anything. Why? Because I listened to the coach. And I think God needs more of those in his kingdom, amen? People just want to be on the team, doing whatever it takes, amen? And so our goal, our job is to reveal love. I don't have time to preach that verse like I was going to, but I do want to give you this quote because I think too far too often we don't share the hope that we have because we're afraid people don't want to hear it. We're afraid we don't have enough authority. We're afraid we're bad witnesses. But the truth is a witness, all they do is they share what they've seen and what they know to be true. Missionary in Australia said this. He says, if you found the cure for cancer, wouldn't it be inconceivable to hide it from the rest of mankind? How much more inconceivable to keep silent the cure for the eternal wages of death? Listen, if we, we've all been touched by cancer. I've lost family members because of cancer. If we had a cure, we wouldn't hide it. We wouldn't go live on an island and go, I got the cure. Me and my family. That'd be selfish, wouldn't it? We wouldn't do that. We'd share it with the world. We have an opportunity every day to share the hope that's found on the inside of us. But too often we hide it. I love Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news, because it's the power of God unto salvation. Have you guys are with me on that? You say, I'm so grateful for his power. The question is, are we ashamed? Do we share it? Do we look for opportunities? Have we prepared ourselves to be good witnesses? Sad truth is the church is in decline. I don't know if you know this or not, but America's evangelical population, that's us, by the way. If you didn't know that, you're an evangelical. This means Christians, people that believe the Bible, people who believe Jesus is who he says he is. He died on the cross, he's raised from the dead. Do you know the population of people that believe that's going down every year in the United States of America? As a matter of fact, we lose 2.6 million believers every year. It's going down. Of the 316 million believers in the United States of America, 
only 28 million now confess to be Christ followers. If trends continue, that number will drop to half in the next 30 years. It's hard to believe in big churches like this, isn't it? We're like, and we live in little Christian bubbles, and we're like, oh, yeah, praise the Lord. But the reality is we're losing. We're losing ground. And you know what? Our call is to reach our generation. How many of you guys are old enough to remember Keith Green? Anybody remember Keith Green? When I first became a Christian, he was one of the first Christian musicians I ever heard. He said this. He said, the generation of, this generation of Christians is responsible for this generation of souls. Have you know Billy Graham can't reach your kids? He ran a good race, but his race is coming to an end. But we have a call to reach our neighbors. We have a call to reach. Last thing I want to give you, I'm almost done, is when God invites us into his family, he invites us into his mission. When he invited you into his family, whether somebody told you or not, he invited you into his mission. Remember what Jesus said when he called Peter? He said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. It's part of the package. Following Jesus, part of following. If you're gonna follow Jesus, listen, what is Jesus doing? He's fishing for men. If you're following Jesus, you're gonna do what he does. That's what being a disciple is. That's someone to follow, someone that learns from. And so we all have a part to play in reaching people for Christ. And, and, and when we were brought into his family, and listen, God invites us into this epic adventure of bringing life to a dying world, of revealing love to a world that's saturated with cheap imitations. What an incredible privilege, amen? What an incredible privilege. And I believe Christians are bored because we're living the wrong mission. I believe the reason that so many Christians are bored and so many Christians are you know, just medicating and, and entertaining is because we've lost the reality that we have a mission. We have the incredible privilege to represent our king to a lost and dying generation, amen? Amen? Okay, I can't preach all these notes, so media team, you're just gonna flow with me. There's a great story about Peter, I didn't get to it. Okay, I wanna close today with a story about a preacher's kid. You guys know any preacher's kids? There was one up here a minute ago. He's really cool, though. I can tell you stories about Josh. Anyway, um, I want to tell you a story about a preacher kid, and it's not Josh, okay? I want to tell you a story about a preacher kid that when he was in his late teens going into college, he began to walk away with the, from the Lord. He began to let hypocrisy sit in church and the way that people treated his parents. It just He began to walk away from the Lord. He believed in God, but he didn't want to follow him. And so by the time he was in his 20s, he started drinking, he started running around with girls, he started doing all the things rebellious people do, he loved to party, and he spent his whole 20s, all of his 20s, just living for himself, just going from one relationship to the next, just a mess. By the time he got into his 30s, he fell in love with this girl, he got her pregnant, they got married, and, and then before long, she was catting around on him, and they got a divorce, and now he's brokenhearted, and he gets to see his kids twice a month, and he's miserable. By the time he's about 35 years old, he re recommitted his life to Christ, fell in love with Jesus, got plugged into a local church, began to grow in his faith. By the time he turned 40, he married a divorced lady, had some kids, and stepped into that whole fatherhood thing. He was in business for himself. He ran a body shop. Anybody know anything about body shops? He majored in Bondo, man. He fixed cars for a living. He's loving Jesus. Well, he was doing business with this guy named Howard. Howard was an alcoholic, chronic alcoholic. That guy didn't go an hour without drinking. Guess what he did for a living? He drove a tow truck. <laughs> alcoholic tow truck driver, that's kind of scary. <laughs> anyway, so he started doing business with this guy. Well, this, this alcoholic, he, he began to pray for this guy, Howard. He said, Lord, I'm praying. And he began to live on mission. Even though this cowboy, his name was Lynn, he, even though he owned this bicycle and, and he had a rough life, he, in his 40s, man, he began to live on mission. Instead of looking back and going, man, I wasted 20 years, he said, you know what, I'm gonna redeem what the enemy 
enemy has stolen. I'm going to live on mission. He started reaching out to this alcoholic. He started praying for him. And this alcoholic kept telling him where he could go. And they, they did business together. But he said, stop inviting me to church. Stop telling me about God. Leave me alone. Keep your religion to yourself. But one day when this old cowboy walked in and he was doing business with Howard, he met Howard's son. Howard's son had just gotten kicked out of high school and he was a disaster as well. And he was, a, you know, he was you know, get, going to hell and going fast, you know, that whole thing. And, and so God gave Lynn a heart for him. He began to pray for him. He began to reach out to this rebellious kid, began to share his faith with him. He ended up giving this kid a job. He said, hey, you want to come to work? He put him to work. He began to work for him. And every day he'd walk into work and he'd be like, glory to God, praise the Lord. He began to witness to this kid, talk to him about the Lord, invite him to church, invite him to church. This kid never been in church a day of his life. I mean, he just was on church at totally did not know God. And Lynn just kept reaching out to him day after day. Kept t- and he kept saying this to him all the time. He kept saying, you know what, I'm praying for you. Freaked the kid out when he first heard that. But over time, the kid started looking forward to it because he'd never had a man of God in his life before. Never had anybody talk to him like that. Was this guy a preacher? No. Was he a great youth speaker? No. Was he running some awesome youth ministry in the ground floor? No. He ran a body shop for a living. But you know what? Over several months, the Lord used this man to reach this kid. And finally, this rebellious punk 17-year-old kid who had all kinds of emotional scars went to church with him. Was in church service like this. People had their hands lifted. People worshiping the Lord. Altar call was given. This kid responded. Surrendered his life to Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something. Listen, that day changed my life. I'm so grateful for that man because I'm that kid. He invited me to church. I'd been beat up. I'd been sexually abused. I'd been beat up as a kid. I was doing all kinds. I'd seen all kinds of things you should never see as a kid. I had no understanding of truth. I never darkened the doors of church, never went to youth group, never went to Sunday school. I walked into that church. I already knew I was loved. I already knew this guy cared about me. And the thing, what, you know what changed my life? It wasn't what he said, it was how he lived. I saw his marriage, I saw his kids, I saw the way he lived his life, I saw the way he did his business, and I saw the joy that was on his life, not just on Sunday, but on Tuesday afternoon, on Friday. And that drew me to him. And that drew me to Jesus. And that was 29 years ago. And God has blessed me in so many ways. And I get to be a pastor in my hometown. I've been able to lead tons of people to the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. And listen, but I want you to hear this. That that is my testimony. But I'm so grateful today for good old Lynn Edmonds. I talk to him on the phone all the time. He's still living. He's retired now. He's chilling out, taking care of horses. I'm so grateful he lived life on mission. Did he ever go to the nations? No, but I did. Did he ever reach thousands of young people? No, but I did. Did he ever pastor a church? No, but I did. And he reached me. And so I want you to hear something today. All of us have the potential to live life on mission. But we gotta open our eyes. And we gotta realize, man, I had the foulest mouth. I was a punk, man. We gotta realize, we gotta see beyond the exterior. And we've got to have an attitude that says this, God, what are you doing? And how can I be a part? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you today that you've called us to live life on mission. That you give us the incredible privilege to reveal your love to a lost and dying world, Lord. In Jesus' name. Listen, I want to just take an opportunity right now. I want to ask you. Matter of fact, with every head bowed and every eye closed, 
ask you today. Maybe you're here, listen, maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe you've, maybe you've never known him. Maybe you're like me, you just came in here today. I want you to hear this. There is a God and he loves you and he has a plan for your life. He's for you. When Jesus died on the cross, he died and he endured separation from God so that we'd never have to. Bible says, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that whosoever believes in him, that word believes means to trust in, commit to, rely upon. Whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. For he did not send his son to the world to condemn the world, but that through him we might be saved. Listen, God's not here to condemn you today. He's here to save you. But you gotta make a decision. You gotta trust in him. Scripture says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. You gotta choose to receive. If you've never received that gift, I wanna give you a chance to do it right here, right here in your seat. I'm not gonna call you out. I'm not gonna call you up. I'm just gonna pray for you right there in your seat. But I'm, a, I'm gonna ask you to take a step of faith. If you're like me, you've never known the Lord. Just a moment, I'm asking you to lift your hand. Maybe you're here and you've known the Lord, but for whatever reason, you've walked away and you know you're far from God. And even as I share, even as we were in worship today, you know you're far from God. You need to repent. You need to come home. Listen, the good news is his mercies are new every day. Or maybe, listen, maybe you're not sure. Maybe you say, you know what? I want to know God, but I'm just, I'm not sure I'm born again. I'm not sure I put my faith in him. I want to pray for you. Either one of those things. First time, recommitment. Just want to be sure. I want to pray for you. The Bible says we can know that we have eternal life. With every head bowed and every eye closed today, if you want me to pray for you, just lift your hand right now. So that's me. I see that hand and that hand right there. Who else would say, I need to get right with God today? I see this hand right here. Say, I've been running from God, but I'm done. I want to follow him. Anybody else? Just going to wait one more moment. I see this hand and this hand. Anyone else? Just lift your hand high one more time. Anybody else need to get right with God today? I see that hand right there. Praise the Lord. I'm so proud of you. I'm going to pray. I'm going to lead you in prayer. Everybody, let's all pray this together. Those that lifted their hands, listen, God's hearing you. He listens. The Bible says he's attentive to our prayers. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would draw hearts to yourself. Okay, let's all pray together. Say, Heavenly Father, you know me completely. (laughs) You know everything. You know where I've been. You know what I've done. But you love me. I believe that. I received that. I put my faith in Jesus, his work on the cross, his victory over death. Because of him, I ask you to save me. Forgive me of my sin. Change my heart. Be my God. Lead me, God. I don't want to live another day far from you. I want to follow you. I choose to follow you with an act of my will. I say, be Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. For more information about ResLife, please visit our website at reslife.org. If you have questions about ResLife or would like directions to visit us, please feel free to call 616-534-4923.